Hello and welcome to episode 19 of The Witcher Chapter by Chapter Book Review, where I'll go through a summary of what happened in the latest chapter and give my detailed thoughts on it. Today I'll be discussing part one of chapter six from book three, Blood of Elves. Okay, so I know I talked about this in the last episode, uh, but yeah, we're going to do two parts for chapter six because it's not only is it a long one, but there's just so much going on in this chapter. There's a lot of different scenes, a lot of different characters in a lot of different locations. So I figured that handling this in more than one part would probably be the easiest way to talk about it. So yeah, that's what we're going to do in this episode. Um, I was thinking that maybe I would tell you which parts we'll cover, but you'll, 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 you'll see that in a second. I'll give you the summary like I always do. Uh, but before I do that, I'm just going to quickly recap you on the last episode. So you are caught up on what's going on when we left off. So last episode, we talked about Yennefer's agreement to help with Siri, who is now safe for the time being at the temple school with Mother Neneke. Dandelion met with the head of Redania's Secret Service, Dijkstra, and the country's court magician, Philippa, to talk about Geralt and Ryans. When Dijkstra makes it perfectly clear he wants Dandelion to bring him Geralt, he lies about Geralt's location, who was actually in town, spending some romantic time with Dandelion's friend, Shani. Philippa enters the room when Dandelion is warning Geralt, and they discuss Ciri and her safety, and that they would both like to know who Ryans is. Shani chimes in to say that she knows who he is and where they can find him. All right, here we go with the summary of the part of chapter six that we're going to talk about. So we will be discussing the part of chapter six that takes place amongst heads of state. The first part is at a secret council in Haga that includes King Foltest of Temeria, King Vizimir of Redania, Queen Meave of Lyria, King Demavent of Edern, and King Henselt of Caedwin. They meet to discuss the tensions brewing in their kingdoms and how they should address it. Since Nilfgaard seems to be responsible for a lot of turmoil in each of their countries right now, they talk about possible solutions for these problems and how to keep themselves from becoming vulnerable to a future assault. They throw around some solutions like waging an all-out war against the non-humans, but the one they land on and discuss at length is reclaiming Sintra. There's a lot of skepticism over whether this proposal could work because they aren't sure if they can rally the leftover Sintrian forces as they are apparently awaiting the return of the lion cub, aka Ciri. The rumor that Ciri survived the massacre has left some with hope that Calanthe's blood will sit on a regained throne. This provokes a discussion about how if Ciri is found and Sintra is taken back, whoever marries Ciri will also rule over Sintra. Vizimir points out that someone is certainly looking for her, and they realize it might be an unmarried Nilfgaardian emperor, Amir Var Emreis. If he marries Ciri, he'll be the lawful and accepted ruler of Sintra, and because they cannot let that happen, the group agrees that if Ciri is located, she must die. The chapter then cuts to a Marshal Menno Cohorn speaking to Emperor Amir Varem Rice about the Northern leaders' meeting. Amir quickly shows his cunning by using this knowledge to sabotage the group. Here we receive official confirmation that Ryans is working for the Emperor, but Amir hasn't received any recent updates from him. 
He makes a few orders, one of which involved the mention of Geralt and Yennefer, and then the two are joined by a knight who is presumably the knight Ciri has nightmares about. Amir tells him, although he will not forgive him for the mistake he made two years ago, he's giving him one more chance to carry out his orders correctly. But before we can learn what those orders are, the part ends. Another little cliffhanger. I don't know, maybe we'll discuss that next week. Maybe that is in the rest of the chapter. Uh, I was going to say, it's a spoiler to tell you this. It's honestly kind of not a spoiler. They, we, we don't find out <laughs> by the end of chapter six. So that is something we will not be discussing. Everything that we left off on in this part of chapter six, um, I mean, there might be a few little things that this ties into, but we don't really get a lot of answers. Um, we just get more questions. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's very um, intriguing. But yeah, we'll get to that next episode. Um, but for now, we're going to discuss the part that I just summarized. So we'll take it from the top, as usual. Um, the monarchs, so all the kings and the queen, uh, they're not sure whether or not Nilfgaard will attack again, but they decide they cannot sit and wait and do nothing, which, I mean, makes sense. Uh, Meave points out that Nilfgaard has time to wait, but they do not. And this is because other tensions are rising after Nilfgaard basically proved the northern kingdoms were so easily disturbed. And one of these things, uh, one, one, an example of one of these things is the Squitatel. They're basically waging war, and we went into that in great detail previously. And it seems to be creating this ripple effect with the dwarves of this place called Mahakam, the dryads of Brocklawn Forest, which we recently became familiar with, and they're anticipating the possibility of the free elves of Dolbothana to rise and fight. And that, if you didn't remember, was the um, elves that we met in the short story, The Edge of the World. That's the one with uh, the Sylvan, Torque, and then Dandelion and Geralt get captured by the elves, and then the elves are about to kill them. And then they end up being able to go free. But right before they go free, Geralt and the elf, Philavandril, basically agree that they'll meet again on the opposite sides of the battlefield. So it was kind of implied before that the elves of Dolblathana are maybe going to fight the humans. So, I mean, that's brought up again here. So it's not seeming like it's super unlikely. Um, so these problems that are going on in their countries, um, Henselt argues that this is the work of Nilfgaard. Um, so he says that Amir's emissaries are inciting the non-humans and they are spreading propaganda. And this is actually something that back in chapter four, uh, Yarpen Zegrin said the same thing. So I think that, that we can safely say that that is what's going on. Like the Nilfgaard is the reason that the Skoyatel are doing what they're doing. Um, I mean, I know that there is a long history with the elves and the humans, but I do think that considering the timing, it, it, it would be a really big coincidence if now all of a sudden they're, they're coming out of the woodwork and, you know, trying to start a little war. So if what they are saying is definitely true, Nilfgaard may be planning another battle offense, but what they are doing is trying to tear down these countries from within before doing so. They're trying to make them vulnerable so that they're not defeated again. 
And the rulers play around with a few ideas on how to stop this. One of the things they talk about is eradicating the non-humans and sending any survivors to the reservation. The one thing that they sit on and talk about at length is retaking Sintra. They decide that if they're going to try that, they'll need the new ruler to be someone who the people will accept because they likely will not accept a foreign ruler. So this is when they start to talk about how Ciri is possibly alive. Um, they, they even accuse Foltest of looking for her with a secret plan to marry her and then become king of Sintra. Uh, he denies this and they quickly back off their accusation. But Vizimir points out that he knows for sure someone is looking for her. And he asks them, he specifically uses the name Bryance. He asks if Bryance is in any of their service. We know for sure he's not because we find out that he's working for Amir by the end of this part of the chapter. Well, the part we're discussing in this episode. Um, but upon the discovery that someone is looking for her, they talk about the possibility of it being Amir since he's not married and marrying Siri will make him a legitimate ruler that the people will accept. So right now he is basically in charge of Sintra, but the people that live there, or I guess the uh, people that lived there before he took over, they are not going to be okay with him ruling over them. And it's not completely lawful, I guess, because he took it by force. But if he marries somebody who's who's related to the previous queen, then everybody would kind of have no chance but to accept him. So yeah, it seems like um, their theory is, it could be true. So they talk about trying to find Ciri. They don't want Amir to find her. And Queen Meave offers to marry Ciri to one of her knights, basically just put her in a castle in the mountains, and that way she, they don't have to worry about anybody finding her. But this idea is actually quickly rejected because the offspring of that union could turn into claimants of the, fr of the throne, which I thought... That, that doesn't really seem like a problem. <laughs> I didn't I didn't get that. Um, because wouldn't who, like, if Siri ended up becoming queen of Sintra and married whoever they wanted or whoever they would have been okay with her marrying, they w most likely would have had children who would have inherited the throne. So I don't know why that was such a big deal. Um, maybe there's something I'm missing there. But anyway, because they can't have Amir getting his hands on her, they agree that they must find and kill Siri. It's an extremely drastic solution and obviously one that we, the reader, are not going to be okay with because we hold Siri in our hearts. <laughs> we don't want anything like that happening. So yeah, we, uh, well, I don't know about you guys, but at least for me, I very quickly uh, came to despise these people, <laughs> these kings and this queen, because that's, uh, that's not cool. Uh, one thing that I was left confused about, though, by the end of this part was, do they still want to retake Sintra? Like, uh, they decide that they're going to find and kill Ciri, and they talk about how if they were to reclaim Sintra, then they would need somebody of Calanthe's blood on the throne. So is, are they just throwing that whole plan out the window now? I mean, I guess so, but I don't know. I... I really tried to see if I could figure that out, but you know, I, I'm still left unsure. And I was also left unsure about whether they still plan to try and eradicate the non-humans 
because they talked about that and then they kind of moved on to the Cintra discussion before they came to an official decision. Maybe these things were talked about after we were no longer included in the discussion. So yeah, maybe that's something that we're gonna figure out later on. But basically, at least as far as we're concerned, the reader, um, we don't know exactly what the next steps they have planned against Nilfgaard are. So we might have to wait and find out. But we do know that they want to kill Siri. So yeah, screw those people. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Emperor Amir Var Emreis. So this guy seems pretty crafty. Immediately upon learning about the Northern Rulers Council, he tells Cohorn, the Marshal Menno Cohorn, he's the guy who so this part of the chapter's perspective is told through. Uh, he tells him to make sure that the chapter of wizards learns about that meeting. And he wants him to do that because apparently the chapter has been feeling like the monarchs don't treat them as equals lately. And this will just ignite that feeling even more and create division, which would, of course, work in his favor. Uh, I'm unsure of what initiated these feelings in the first place, but because they aided, the wizards aided and sacrificed a lot in the Battle of Sodden, which won the war for the North, I can see how their exclusion would be taken as a slight. So yeah, that was pretty smart. And he was so fast to make that decision. So definitely not working with an idiot here. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, so it's confirmed that Amir is looking for Siri. He doesn't say so outright, but he asks for updates on Ryan's multiple times, and we know Ryan's is looking for her. Be pretty odd if uh, somebody else was, was sending Ryan's after Siri, and the Emperor also had a job for him, and he's not looking for her, but I think we can assume that that's what's going on there. Um, it's not confirmed, however, that he's looking for her so that he can marry her, but it doesn't seem unlikely. Um, yeah, if that's what he wants to do, then he's got to find her first. Uh, hopefully he doesn't have the same plans that the Northern rulers have where he just wants to find her so that he can kill her. The marriage thing doesn't sound good either, <laughs> but I, I, I mean... The more people that are trying to kill Siri, the worse. So I think I prefer somebody looking for her to um, wed her than to murder her. So Amir, in this discussion, says that he knows Geralt. And that's pretty strange. You would think that that would have been mentioned at some point before. Maybe Geralt would have thrown that into a conversation or like some inner dialogue because Nilfgaard has been the this hot topic of conversation for the past couple of years. So you think Geralt would have said like, oh yeah, I've met the Emperor of Nilfgaard before. But it, it, he's very stoic and quiet, so maybe that's why it's never come up. But yeah, it's pretty strange that they know each other. Um, but yeah, Emir wants Ryans to, you know, stop um, delaying or, you know, stop stalling, procrastinating, whatever, and to just kill Geralt. He says that Geralt is too clever to lead Ryan's to the trail. So in order to make a assumption like that, or to surmise that Geralt is, you know, he's going to do this or he's going to do that, he's got to know him at least a little bit. 
So it's not even like they just kind of met one time briefly. Like he, he, he knows Geralt a little bit and that's, I don't know. She's pretty weird. Uh, he says to leave Yennefer unharmed. And now I'm wondering, does he know her too? And why is it that he wants Geralt killed, but not Yennefer? I mean, I could see why he would want Geralt killed because Geralt's a witcher. He can do a lot of damage, but so can Yennefer. I mean, she's a very powerful, very competent sorceress. So I'm wondering if there's a more specific reason that he wants Geralt dead. But we'll probably have to wait and find out if we ever do find out. (laughs) So at the end of this part, a knight arrives and he has a, a very brief description but it kind of matches the knight from series Nightmares. They say he's been imprisoned for the unknown to us mistake that he made in Cintra two years ago. I'm guessing that that was probably during the massacre. And he's about to be given an order from Amir that will save him from execution if he succeeds. Don't know what that order was. That was where it was left off. But I do think that this is the same guy that tried to get Ciri when they when Nilfgaard was slaughtering all the people in Sintra. Um, and I think that that was what Amir was talking about when he referred to the mistake that that guy made. That that, that, that guy made. So Amir's looking for Ciri, and that guy was about to get her. And I don't know what happened. I don't know how she got away, but she obviously got away. So that's got to be what he's referring to there. What that's got to be why he won't forgive this guy. But yeah, uh, not a whole lot of context that we're given. We can only just assume. So these, yeah, that's what I'm getting out of it. But I, I could be off. I could be wrong. We'll have to wait and find out. So I have a couple of little just like tidbits that I wanted to talk about real quick from this chapter. So there's a character that's mentioned and his name is Croc on Crate. And he was actually, he's very briefly mentioned. He's not, uh, it doesn't seem like that important of a character, but this is somebody we've actually met before. If you didn't remember, he was in the A Question of Price short story from the Last Wish book. So he was from Skellige. He was a contender for Pavetta's hand in marriage. Obviously that didn't work out. So nowadays he is a Jarl and he's known to the Nilfgaardians as the Seabor for his frequent attacks and fire setting on Nilfgaardian maritime settlements and forts. So yeah, this guy uh, was loyal to Sintra as um, Iced, uh, Calanthe's husband, was killed during the war with Nilfgaard and Iced was also from Skellige. And then there was actually another character that was from the same short story. His name was Wilhelm of Atre. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. But yeah, he was in that story. He was also a contender for Pavetta's hand. And again, that didn't work out for him. Uh, But yeah, he was mentioned in the part of this chapter with Amir. And very unfortunately for him, his painful and slow and public execution was ordered because he was caught as a leader of a rebellion. So that is very unfortunate for this guy, Windhelm. Probably not going to be seeing him again. But yeah, another example of um, what Amir is like. So he seems to be pretty ruthless and 
Um, they, they catch somebody who was against him. I mean, ha- him, him ordering the execution of this man isn't that far out, of course, but he, the way he wants it done is, um, I don't know. I, I think that that might be a little extreme, but I also kind of have a weak stomach. So, <laughs> all right. Anyway, <laughs> all right. So for my closing thoughts on part one of chapter six, Amir is sending Cohorn to Dolangra and is not to act on provocations that are likely to come from Demavend or Meave. What's interesting is, although there's not a lot of context from Amir, during the council at the beginning of the part, they discuss the possibility of staging a provocation against Edern and Lyria so that the so that they could basically go back into war with Nilfgaard and then they, they would be backed by other countries and would also be backed by the chapter of wizards um, when they try to take Sintra. So I guess there is an official piece that's going on right now and they discuss it. There's definitely one. There's this mage from the chapter of wizards known as Vigilforts and he was actually very briefly mentioned in one of the chapters at Caramor and I think Triss brings him up uh, but he's basically like taking charge of the chapter and he made sure that there was going to be a peace with Nilfgaard after the battle of Sodom. So yeah, what they want to do is um, have a reason to get the chapter of wizards and other countries to back them when they try to reclaim Sintra, which we, we don't know if they're still going to do that, but I don't know. It seems like something will be going down there at this dull Angra. Um, I'm just not sure who is going to be doing what exactly. Um, Nilfgaard, they, uh, have always been seen as the bad guys, this aggressor. And right now I'm kind of thinking of them as not as bad as the other countries. And that's solely based on the fact that they want to kill Siri. <laughs> but if anybody is going to find her, I think it would be better if it was Nilfgaard. As long as what is really going on there is that Amir wants to marry her. Which, I mean, that tr- that doesn't sound good. I mean, her being forced into this arranged marriage with some man she doesn't know. But it's better than her getting killed. Well, maybe. I guess it depends on your perspective. But <laughs> for me, that's that's how I feel. I'd rather her be forced into marriage and killed. Uh, at the end of the day, though, I'd rather her just not be found by these people at all. So hopefully that's how this turns out. Um, but... Yeah, either way, Bryant's is the one looking for her. He's pretty dangerous. He seems like a very all-around bad guy. And uh, I'm sure he's been given orders not to kill Siri, but he might still harm her somehow. So, yeah, that's another thing to think about, I guess. that We, we, we really just don't want anybody to find her. <laughs> Speaking of Bryant's, he now has very strict orders to take out Geralt. And I mean, we know Geralt, he's very capable, but there is always the possibility that someone could beat him and he's not invincible. And you also got to consider that his death has been prophesized twice now and he's been fine, but it, it just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem good. Yeah. I am definitely a little bit worried about Geralt here. All right, well, that is all I have for you. So just in case you didn't know, these episodes are available on YouTube with video and Spotify and Apple Podcasts with just the audio. Thank you so much for joining and I will catch you all in the next episode. Goodbye.